Bokatov, the shoe is for Fuashlema of Ruven Benester. Ruven Benester and uh, David Shmaya Ben Shoshana. El Narafana Lahem, El Narafana Lahem. We left off with, anybody remember? Mm-hmm. We're starting the plague of Choshech. So we're on Pasuk 21 of, of the 10th chapter, right? Yes, we are right there. Okay. Yeah, because we did the Ruach Yam. Okay, perfect, perfect. Vayomer Adonai and Moshe. Hashem said to Moshe, Neteyadecha al Hashemaim, Vihi Hoshech al Eretz Mitzayim, Vihamesh Hoshech. Stretch out your hand unto the heavens and let there be darkness upon the land of Egypt and it will be a palpable darkness. You have to feel the darkness. You can feel the darkness. Pasuk 22. Moshe stretched out his hand over the heavens. Pasuk 22. Moshe stretched out his hands over the heavens. And there was a thick darkness in the whole land of Egypt for three days. Man did not see his brother and no man got up from his place for three days. And, but to all of Bnei Israel, there was light in their dwelling places. So, is there any naturalistic explanation yes. for the plague? What fog. would be the naturalistic explanation? It could be a th- very, very there, thick fog. There was one in London, thick, thick, thick fog people couldn't yeah. see. And then there's I also, heard... Um, also a sandstorm. Could be a sandstorm, could be a thick fog... It could be, or there's one opinion that says a solar eclipse, but that doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't know why you would even assume it could be a solar eclipse. There was one, in fact, there was one scholar who went so far. He looked, you know, you could, you know, the, the, you could tell how many solar eclipses there were in history. So you could, you could map out when there were specific solar eclipses and when they were visible from which location. So we tried to find when in that time period in the 14th century BCE, he was trying to find like the 14th century BCE, when there was a solar eclipse in Egypt. So he said, if I could find the solar eclipse, and then it were, happens to be that that was Choshech, then I know that a few days later was Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And then I know the exact date of Yitzhak He's like, it came out to Wednesday, 13-something BCE. Like, okay. The problem is that it's definitely not a solar eclipse. to the sun, God of Egypt. Yes, yes. So for sure it's considered... It's something about the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea is that the sun is getting covered up, but not in the form of an eclipse. That, that's the sun isn't visible but not in the form of an eclipse an eclipse would, would last a few hours and then and and um, the problem with the naturalistic explanations is that is that uh, I mean for three days it's possible the only thing is that the Bnei Israel had light I guess you could say it was a very very thick fog yeah, I, I, that just I darkened everything let's like, say in the Gulf area I mean it's sandstorms even in Israel, they had it where there's you you can't go outside. Yes. Yeah, yeah I looked up. I looked up. Very bad. I looked up videos of sandstorms to see how intense it is. It is. It's very intense. You can't you can't see so two can't feet in front of you. Wow. And you cannot keep your eyes open. So maybe it was the fog and the sandstorm. Whatever it is, that we don't have to get again. We don't want to get caught up on the naturalistic explanations because the idea is the idea is the idea. The idea is the is the meaning behind the plague, which is the the. The power over the main god of Egypt, which is the sun, and, and specifically, the point was made that Israel, the, the Israel, did not 
Yeah, and they had light in their dwelling places. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a... I was thinking about it last night. I, this is a very, very deep idea, but I, maybe you'll, you'll appreciate it. That the, the fact that we innately associate goodness with light and darkness with bad. There's no... Is there any reason for that? Is there any... Why, it seems like it's something innate to all, of, to all humans. Is there any society that associates goodness with dark and badness with light? Never. So this is what Carl Jung would call an archetype. Something that all of, all of humans share. That's so an archetype. I use the word a lot in the class. Uh, he, was like a, he was a psychologist who explored... I, I mean, it's a difficult concept. I don't understand it much myself, but things that are so deep, deep, deep down in the human psyche that every single society has the same idea. And this is one of those concepts, the, the association of light with goodness. And dark, I mean, there's no reason to do so. Meaning, is there any logical explanation why light should be associated with good, darkness with bad? Light is... Okay, I mean, but we weren't alive when that happened, when the let there be light was, was spoken. It's very it's, normal. At night, we are more scared than we are today. Right. Anyways, I mean, you could say that we... we uh, right, throughout it's, history, we take it for granted today. We have street lights and we have lights in our homes. Yeah. Right, so you're saying back then the difficulty of darkness was much more accentuated because there was no way to fight it. I mean, we had, they were limited in how they could fight it. So over time, all of humanity began to associate the daytime, yani the light, with goodness, good things in life. Well, traveling and, during, I'll just give you a perfect example, silk, during the Silk Road, the inns that were built along the way of the Silk Road, it's a day's travel, daylight. Okay. The distance. So, that's so, interesting. So because they, at night, their bandits will come and rob you and whatever yeah. it is. So, that's so all the bad things typically happen. And I, okay, it's a you're simple blind. At night, you're blind. It's Maybe it's not as deep, uh, deep an idea as I thought. At, 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 Vulnerability. For all of history, at night, bad things would happen. And the day, you could get things yeah. done. So the, the day becomes a good time and the night becomes a bad time. You're all not. of evil, even in a moral sphere, becomes associated with the night. And goodness in a moral sphere becomes associated with the, with the day because of that. Anyways, the, the, the parallel between Am Israel having light and Egypt ha- being in the dark, you know, you could almost, it almost tell, it's, it's almost like there's deeper meaning behind that, that an Am Israel had the light of God and the Egyptians were, were, and their way of life was dark. I don't know, maybe there's a moral yeah, significance right. to that. Right. Okay. And Paro called to Moshe and he said, Go serve Adonai, just your sheep and your cattle should remain. You could even take your kids. And when did we see the word Yutzag? The word Yutzag was when Yosef brought his brothers before Paro. Um, uh, what's the pasuk? Wow. I don't know what the significance is. I'm just trying to. It's just an interesting word. So it came up. It came up. Uh, when Yosef brought his brothers before Paro, it says, um, uh, I, I forgot. I, I can't remember the words. Okay. 
ויאמר משה גם אתה תיתן בידינו זבחים ועולות ועשינו לאדוני אלוהינו. משה tells him no way we're not going to leave the sheep and the cattle and instead you will be giving us sheep and cattle to help us. Not only are we taking our cattle, you are going to give us more as well. And our cattle will go with us. Not a hoof will remain. Because we will take from all of them. To, to serve Hashem our God. And we do not know what our God will demand of us in service until we get there. So to be safe, not only are we going to take our own, but... In, with the consideration that our God may ask us for even more than what we have, we're going to be asking you to do us a favor and offer some service to our God as well. Meaning, Moshe is basically saying, you will also be, an be, making, be making an offering to our God. Your cattle will also be brought in the service of our God. So it's, 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 a, it's a much more intense slight than you think. He's not just saying, you will give us cattle. He's saying, you're, you're going to be making an offering to our God. The one that you said you don't know, now you're going to be serving him. Okay? It's a, it's a big slap in the face. And God hardened the heart of Paro, and he did not want to send them out. So Paro says to him, Get away from me. Be careful not to see my face. Because on the day that you see my face, you will die. Yani, or meaning, Paro is saying, I will kill you. Meaning, that question that we had at the beginning, why Paro didn't do away with Moshe, now, after Paro gets frustrated with Moshe enough, he says, you're no longer going to see my face. The next time I see your face, I will kill you. And then Moshe says, And Moshe says, so have you said, you have, you have spoken the truth. I will no longer see your face. But now why is Moshe saying I will no longer see your face? Because he knows what's coming. Because the last plague is about to befall Paro and, and he won't have to speak to Paro anymore. And where do you see this idea of Do not look at my face. Do not look at my face because on the day that you see my face you will die. It's Hashem at the burning bush. Anybody who sees, who tries, anybody who tries to see the appearance of God, dies. So, Paro, so there's definitely a contrast there between Paro saying, "On the day that you see my die, on the day that you see my face, you will die," and that's Veraita Tachorai Ufanai Lo Yirau. It's um, in Parashat Kitisa, I believe. If you go to Parashat Kitisa, you'll see it there. Okay, uh, but the idea. It's a very deep idea here, yeah. okay? Because Paro is speaking to him the same way. The same rules that apply to Borei Olam, Paro is applying to himself. But in the case of Borei Olam, the person who sees the the experiences Borei Olam, he just can't handle it, and they, they drop dead. Here, Paro is saying, "I will kill you," meaning Paro, when when he's threatening Moshe that he's going to see his face, is a purely natural. It's a purely natural thing. He's not saying that I have any spiritual thing. But what we're supposed to be thinking now is, let's compare how par- the death by looking at Paro's face compares to the death by looking at Borei Olam's face. The one in Paro's face comes from Paro's jealousy and anger and frustration, and that's something he will have to do physically. 
But Bore Olam, being the true king, the death comes from the fact, from the inability to behold his greatness. Okay? So there is some comparison there. And the idea is Moshe being able to uh, somewhat, I mean, Moshe, nobody could look at God in the face, straight in the face, and they die. So Moshe knows what it's like to be in front of a real king because he experienced. He, re- he really experienced what it's like being in front of a king that if yeah, you yeah, stare yeah, them yeah. in the face, yeah, yeah, yeah. you will die. So when Paro says this, he says, okay, I will no longer see your face, but not because, not because you're anything special. I know the true king. I know a king that we can't look at his face, and it's not you. That's essentially what probably is going through Moshe's head. Okay, Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. Moshe. And Hashem said to Moshe, One more plague I will bring upon Paro and upon Egypt, and afterwards he will let you go. When he will send you out, he will surely send you all out, kala, all together in, in your entirety. What is, uh, what is the problem with this pasuk? Not the pasuk. What is the problem with the setting of the pasuk? I'm going to read a little bit more and then you tell me, you, you figure out the question, the problem here. Speak into the ears of the people. Speak to the ears of the people so that each person may, re- may request from his friend and from their neighbor vessels of silver and vessels of gold. And God gave favor in the eyes of Bnei Israel, in the eyes of Egypt. Also, the man Moshe was great in the land of Egypt, in the eyes of the servants of Paro and in the eyes of the people. And then, and then Moshe says, basically repeating the nevuah he just got about the nega echad, that final nega. He says, he says, apparently to Paro, so says God, in the, in, at midnight tonight, I'm going through Egypt. Okay, let's not get into the speech, but what's the problem with this? Who is he speaking to, Moshe? Moshe. He's speaking to? Where, right now, right now. Right now? Oh, yeah. because he's not supposed to, he doesn't see Paro anymore. Right, I mean, we just said, we just, we just, Moshe just left Paro, and Paro said, if you see my face again, you will die. So then Moshe apparently leaves. He's okay. But then we have, in, the, in, the, in that meantime, we have a nevuah that Hashem tells Moshe, there's, there's one more nega that I'll bring upon Paro, and then he will send you in your entirety. And then Moshe goes and he repeats that there's one more nega to Paro. Yeah, but he was oh. to Moshe, he doesn't say to who? Okay, it's, it's, to, it's to Paro de well, who else is going to be? So I think that's what it is. Apparently, the, the, what happened, I mean, the Peshat would be, the, the Peshat would be that he turns away when, from Paro. When, it, when Paro says that to him, then he says it. No, no, no. So, so apparently, the Peshat would be that he gets into this scuffle with Paro and they, they start to threaten each other or Paro threatens his life. He turns away from Paro knowing that, that Paro is done for. And then as he's walking away, Boreolam says, turn back. Let's give him the final nevuah. So he gives him the nevuah. Then Moshe turns around and says, by the way, tonight... At midnight, around Hashem midnight. around midnight, Hashem is uh, you're you're reading Rashi good. Around midnight, Hashem is going out and he's going to slaughter the firstborn. So this this that's when this happens seemingly according to the Peshat. It's after Paro threatens his life, Moshe is walking out 
he gets his nevoah and then he turns and he makes sends one last message to Paro. Now I, I want to focus on the beauty of the language that Moshe uses in this last announcement of the plague. Because this is the last time Moshe is going to open his mouth to Paro, right? So the beauty of the announcement, you see the eloquence of Moshe. His ability to speak all of a sudden is clearly there. And there's one more hint that, that is really interesting. Keep an eye out for the word Ani in this, in this piece, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Look, at, look at the word Ani mm-hmm. and see if we can find a hidden message here, okay? Uh, so, so Moshe says to Paro, Moshe says to At around midnight, according to Rashi, you, that's how you translate it. At around midnight, I go, I go out to Egypt, so that, so that there was no uh, concern that Paro would claim, "Oh, you're one minute off." This and that, so he didn't give him an exact time. Okay, but okay. And at, at around midnight, every firstborn in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Paro who sits on his throne And the firstborn of the maidservant Who is after the How do you translate that? The millstone What's it called? The millstone The millstone And all the firstborn of the animals And there will be a great shout A great cry from the land of Egypt that like it there has never been, and like it there will never be. Where did we see Tzaka before? By Tzaku B'nai Israel Adonai. That word Tzaka was last used with B'nai Israel crying out because of the actions of Egypt, the hard work and the killing of their children. And now who is going to be the one doing Tzaka? The Egyptians, because of the death of their firstborn or their kids. So that is midah keneged midah. Okay? But to all of the Jews, a dog will not sharpen its tongue. From man to animal. So you should know that God separates between Egypt and Israel. And then you, Paro, your servants will come to me. They will bow down to me saying, you go out and all the people that are with you and then only once they beg me to leave then they bow down to me and they beg me to leave then I will go I will go who, who is uh, yeah but you have to pay even pay even, pay even closer attention look at look at the way the, the speech started who is the etse at the beginning of the speech and who is the etse at the end Okay, and he leaves Paro in anger. And Hashem says to Moshe, Paro won't listen to you so that I can increase my wonders in Egypt. Moshe and Aaron had done everything before Paro. And until now, and he did not send B'nai Israel from his land. So, what do you see in this speech? First of all, the speech is beautiful. It's so glorious because the God language. Look at glory. look at first of all the language that Moshe uses. These are metaphors he's using. So he has the power of using imagery and speech. It's not just a simple speech of a person who doesn't know how to talk. This is someone with eloquence. So it seems like after all of this, Moshe's mouth is opened up. The mount that was covered is now open. And then the, the phrase, a dog will not wet its tongue. That's also a metaphor. You know, that's not, he could have just said, things will be good with them. But he says it in metaphoric 
in a metaphoric way. So Moshe's ability to, to articulate things has become very, very impressive. And then finally, uh, what else do you see in Egypt? What, what, what are we doing? What is this plague doing to all the Egyptians? The treatment of the son of Paro will be the same as the treatment of any, 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 any maid servant and even an animal, which yeah. means there will be complete equality. You thought even Paro was a god. You created a hierarchy in which Paro was a god. I'm going to show you that before God, everyone is equal. Everyone is equal. That's the lesson here. That there is complete equality before Hashem. That's one of the main lessons that Egypt had to learn. And that you not believing in God or be believing in many deities, you tend to deify men and you create hierarchies in which men sit at the top. But in Borei Olam's book, men don't sit at the top. Everybody is the same. Everybody is equal. Okay? So that's, and then the final thing you see is the word usage Ani. The Ani at the beginning and the Ani at the end are different. It's Hashem at the beginning. But at the end, I will go, says Moshe. And what is, what is happening? A good, and but the, by the second one, it's Moshe speaking for himself. So what's happening, seemingly, is that Moshe's net level of nevuah is becoming so strong that he's starting to become a mouthpiece for Borei Olam. That he's starting to be able to completely put away his own identity and speak for Borei Olam and use the word Ani. He's, he's becoming like a vessel for Borei Olam's will. And the eloquence, the eloquence more than anything is Borei Olam's eloquence and not Moshe. But the, the ambiguity with the word Ani, who it's referring to, is telling, us, is telling us that Moshe, when you speak to Moshe, it's becoming unclear if you're speaking to man anymore or if you're just speaking to a representative of God. And that may be the hidden message in there. Baruch Adonai Amen. 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 Amen.